Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. If you are interested in participating in one of our podcasts, please reach out to us. Contact info can be found in the notes of this podcast posting. Thanks again for joining us. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of the FTF Exchange podcast. For this podcast, we are speaking with Alex Streckel, Director of Investment Management Solutions for Clearwater Analytics. Clearwater is a software as a service provider of automated investment accounting, performance, compliance, and risk reporting for insurance companies, asset managers, banks, and other institutions. Last year, Clearwater won the Best Client Reporting Solution Award as part of the FTF Awards competition. The company has been nominated for the same honor this year. So before we dive into the questions, Alex, could you just give us a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, Eugene, a pleasure. And thanks so much for having me. Um, My name is Alex Drackle. I've been with Clearwater since 2015. Uh, the whole time spent working with our asset management clients and helping them solve challenges they have in migrating from legacy solutions to our cloud-based SaaS solution. And along with the the myriad of kind of challenges and problems they're trying to solve for, key of which, which I think we'll focus on today being client reporting and really what that means, both in terms of the, the broadest sense of the wor- word and also a kind of a more refined sense what we are really excited about is, is our approach, which we think is certainly unique in the market. We're certainly a technology-first provider, uh, have always been cloud-based and, and SaaS since our founding back in 2004. And really excited to talk to you a little bit more about my role, uh, my experience working with clients, and ultimately a little bit about how Clearwater's doing the work we're doing in the market today. What is the best definition of client reporting uh, in 2023? How is client reporting becoming more than portals, paper statements, and fax machines? I tend to take a very broad view of client reporting, and, and it comes from my experience and my background primarily working as a portfolio manager, right? Being on the front end of the client relationship, sending out information with performance returns, quarterly books, et cetera. I think about client reporting as really anything that touches the hands of the client, Eugene. So anything that a client is going to access via a web portal, anything they're going to access via paper, or even anything that they're going to, frankly, hear from you as the manager of the portfolio or manager of the relationship that you're relying on the system for, right? So if you think about that, anytime you're talking about performance with a client, right, you're reporting to them. Anytime that you're sending them Uh, an invoice, right? It's extremely important that that's accurate. Um, All of these client reporting interactions, I think are primarily focused on one thing, which is driving a client experience that is differentiated in a world that uh, certainly is changing now, but up until a few months ago, right, was relatively flat in terms of yield environments and, and investment options. And many firms were seeking differentiation outside of total return or differentiation outside of asset classes in selection of their managers. So I define it rather broadly. And so if you you had to kind of take it simplistically from front to back, reporting, right, board packages, 
things that the clients touch. If you then go into middle office, has to do with elements of data aggregation, reconciliation, client billing and composites. And then on the back office, certainly elements of settlement, right? Everything taking a approach of how you build up from the internal ground up approach, what happens every day, to then what the client sees on a monthly, quarterly, and increasingly, candidly, Eugene, a daily basis as investors become more demanding about transparency to the portfolio. And uh, how is our, our challenging economy changing the creation and delivery of client reports? I, I think right now there's two main emphases around client reporting as it relates to the current economy. The first is, and this is pretty common with institutional managers, I think. The first is if you're limited by investment policy compliance or you're limited by the structure or asset classes that you can go into, um, and then you're limited to a certain degree in the return profile, right, that you can risk you can take on for a client. How do you increase that touch and that narrative of what you're doing to drive that return, how you're allocating the assets? And that's really where I think a digital experience becomes incredibly important. Then there's another phase of it, which is the, the regulatory phase, right, which is saying, OK, that's awesome. You, you have a great client portal. You might have a great client statement. But show me your control processes around that. And really what that starts with, we think, is twofold. One is data, right, and, and really robust, strong processes around data control, aggregation. That's everything from cybersecurity to internal audit. And then as well, beyond just the data, it has to do with the way in which the information is being delivered, right? So who's touching the information, who's processing it, and then who ultimately is the downstream constituent of that data, which certainly the SEC is very concerned about when it comes to performance reporting and GIPS composites. And then as well, you know, firms should certainly be concerned about regardless of the regulatory aspect of just the accuracy of that information. So really the joining of those together at the apex, both put data at the center, both are essentially for somewhat different constituencies, but really joining it together within the framework of a robust, controlled, uh, well-articulated strategy, right, around client reporting that then ultimately shapes a client experience that creates a differentiation that's more than just returns, right? Because God forbid there's an underperformance that occurs. It's very hard to change managers, but it's not as hard as it used to be. Right. So being that much better in your ability to communicate with the clients really means something in this market. How can financial services firms provide scalability to the new way of client reporting? Yeah. And I, I think we touched on this in the last question, Eugene, but the, the digitization right, really comes into focus. How do you optimize experiences for web, mobile, put those things at, at a client's fingertips? But then if you think about it as that being potentially the goal or the output, a lot of it goes back to where we where we touched on the last question of the data. So do I know where my data is coming from? So if I'm showing A, B, C in my report, do I know the source of A? Do I know the source of C? Do I know the source of B? And if you don't know those sources and you don't have a control around those sources, you wind up producing an extremely attractive output but it doesn't have a data lineage or taxonomy that allows for it to be scalable. So if you are to, for instance, invest in a new asset class, you have to redo the report. You have to redo your data infrastructure. So I think what's really important is having firms think about the scale that they want to obtain and think about it in terms of the needs of their clients, 
right? And, and the best thing always is to ask your clients what they want to see. I, I think we see this very often with managers of managers saying, oh, I know what the client wants because we've given them the same thing for 10, 15 years. Well, that's okay. But what if I told you maybe then the client's just not reading it, right? Or the client's just not looking at it. And so a real fulsome engagement with the clients for what they want to see, focused on the output, and then really spending some time, some some rigorous exercises in defining what that data infrastructure is to support that. And then I think once you've done those two things, the stitch in the middle, right? And what ties everything together, Eugene, is technology. And so once you have an idea of where you're going to derive the data from, right? Once you know how you want the data to look in the output for client then you decide who you can partner with to drive scale. And that's where we've really seen an influx of third-party technologies over the prior years, and certainly some that have done it well, some less well. Um, But in areas, certainly, we've seen our clients pushing us, and we've been more than happy to accommodate and grow with them into that space as it becomes more and more focus of their business. And in fact, right, a logical outcome as well is with automation, you reduce risk, right? And you mitigate a lot of those regulatory things we cited in the last question as well. So some, some unintended knock-on consequences that are, are certainly not insignificant. So switching gears a little bit, uh, is, is there still some friction between the best of breed and the all-in-one approaches to, to finding providers? And if that's the case, uh, why? I think there is. And I, I think it's... In many instances, it tends to focus primarily on budget and and size, right? And I think that is that is accurate. It's a decent way of looking at the market. But what it assumes is that there is then no viable all-in-one model. We might challenge that a little bit. And, and as we look at the direction Clearwater wants to head in, certainly our, our acquisition at the end of last year with Jump Technologies, we think it enables us to provide an all-in-one without compromise and superior client reporting experience along with order management, performance management, portfolio management, et cetera. But it tends to be something that is, is born out of a concern or a desire within the firm for either single vendor or multiple vendor. If you're willing to have a multiple vendor framework and manage different contract terms and manage all sorts of different aspects of the relationships and really committed to doing vendor due diligence, then the best in breed could could very well be right for you. If you don't have that availability and you don't have that robust vendor management, then you can spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to manage those vendors. So I think the friction lies insofar as there's solutions and viable solutions and paths to both. But I think the decision is ultimately based on the firm and what's right for them and what they're willing to do in terms of investing, right, not only their capital, but importantly, their time in managing a best of breed framework versus some of the synergies perceived and real of an all in one approach. Um, Certainly, then, if we go back to the original statement of budget and size, larger firms tend to be more aligned to a best of breed structure right, where they have that vendor management structure and they have that desire to really go out there and do the best of breed. Then smaller firms tend to be more aligned to an all-in-one where the perceived economies of scale, cost, budget, etc. But in reality, what I think has mainly been foisted on the market is there is no solid all-in-one solution. And I think if you look at what we're trying to do here at Clearwater, we're at least in a single vendor model trying to put together solutions 
right? That allow at the very least everybody to work with a single vendor to solve those problems across the front, the back and the middle office. So still certainly friction. Um, as for how much longer, it's a very popular question to debate. I think it certainly depends on size, but I also think it's because the, the products in the market have allowed it to persist. And certainly our goal here is to offer clients optionality, offer them a choice and selection, but also say that you could, you could use an all-in-one without compromise, right? And that is a feasible, viable solution in 2023. Okay. And uh, just quickly, can, can some firms provide uh, best of breed and all-in-one to, to clients, depending on what the clients want? And how does supporting both uh, facilitate flexibility for client reporting? I think a firm can try to do both. I think, though, if they're trying to do both, there needs to be a real rigor um, and there needs to be a real consideration around what's available in the market and kind of a consistent pulsing, you know, similar to my comment about asking your clients about what they like about the client reporting, what they don't like. There needs to be, you know, somebody that's really on the forefront working with folks like FTF, you know, working with consultants, um, going out there and doing their own due diligence to, to make sure that the best of breed continues to be the right solution for them or make sure that the all-in-one continues to be the right solution for them. You know, we've seen tremendous merger and acquisition activity, right? There, there's only a few independent, truly independent providers out there um, that are specializing in client reporting or specializing in order management and things like that. So what I think you are seeing is an evolution of firms desiring an all-in-one solution. Um, working with a best of breed to the extent that that remains right for them. But I think you'd be hard pressed, Eugene, to ask many firms and say, if you could consolidate without compromise to a single vendor model, right, that provides your sole technology, I I think you'd be hard pressed to not find many firms that would say, let's talk about what that looks like. Now, on the flip side of that is, is vendor risk, right, which is certainly a consideration. But within that single vendor framework, um, particularly given the size of some of the mandates, right, and the, the potential amount of the overall spend with the vendor, I encourage clients to really think about it as, well, I can manage my vendor risk potentially better with a single vendor than I can across multiple, right? And because I'm, I'm a large vendor, or because I'm a large client of that vendor, right, I can demand levels of transparency. I demand, you know, access to driving the product roadmap and really important things that aren't always as effective to do within a multi-vendor framework. If you flip that then towards the client reporting, you know, Mm -hmm. if you then take a data first approach to then having a really solid, attractive output for client reporting, the question would be then how can you consolidate your data sources as best as possible? And it's probably that that's probably the front of mind decision. Uh, around most clients that we talk to about client reporting. Um, Certainly lots of options to make the output look good, but how do we get the data all together? And if you can find somebody that can join that data together and also then make the reports look good, I'm not sure why you would go in any other direction than a single provider for that model. What is the best way for, for firms to decide which technology options are the best for client reporting despite all the hype? Yeah, I go back to talk to your clients, create a group, get feedback, send them the statements, ask them what they would do differently, what they would look for differently. And then, you know, make sure that you're aggregating that and identify the top five or six things that are front of mind for them. 
then identify the things that you would like to change about the process. And then think about that data architecture that helps get you there. Right. And so I think if you do that, then you can decide, for instance, do I want just a aggregator of data basically that just makes it look good? Or do I want aggregation and validation and taxonomy and data lineage behind that? Um, and you can decide basically the various levels, right? To a certain degree, you know, there are firms that could undergo that exercise and simply decide, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to do it the way I've done it before. But I think then going back to our early conversation, you're not going to get that scale to join together the various and mounting sets of data to then put it together through the automation to make it look good. And I think then that's something that, again, unless you're you're willing to invest and do tremendous due diligence, you have to make that decision shortly of what that's going to look like, particularly as you prepare, for instance, for rising rates, if you're a fixed income firm, which presents a lot of opportunity for you know new investors and cash flows coming in. If you want to scale up and grow over the next three to five years, it's important you make those investments and decisions today to make sure that you're not figuring out the client reporting on the fly. Um, if you're figuring out the client reporting on the fly, the likelihood of bandages, of manual processes, of you know hiring third-party consultants to come in and analyze how to put everything together, th- that is you know multiplied tenfold than if you're trying to think maybe two to three years in the future and beginning to identify those vendors that you want to work with that you think get you to that scale and get you to that output, right? Because again, it's all all built around what is the client reporting and what is the client experience I'm trying to make that drive. And lastly, uh, you know, client reporting is pretty, pretty complicated now. And it looks like it's going to get even more complex over the coming years. Uh, how should firms strategize to, to keep their clients happy, given the, the changes that are going to come? Again, first thing is data, right? And what that looks like. Second thing is the output. And the third thing is how do you get the data into the output you want? But tackling that in relation to even the, the economy right now, with rising rates, with some dislocation in the markets, it is becoming more and more attractive for these firms that have kind of stood pat with other managers um, as they grow balance sheets or look to invest off their balance sheets and put that money to work to hire new third-party managers, right? And if you take a look at the performance return history uh, for a lot of these firms, particularly institutional investors, there's not going to be a lot of differentiation between one manager to the other unless they have some significant risk appetite potentially, right? So if you're in core investment management, how are you going to differentiate yourself from the other core managers? And so we think about that in two ways. One is you want to keep your current clients happy, right? So the surest way to get on the treadmill is to focus only on new clients, right? And, and not drive a solid experience for your current clients. And then every dollar that goes out for every dollar that comes in, right? You're, you're kind of playing a zero sum game. The other one is to get new clients, right? To grow, right? To compete in the marketplace that is increasingly um, crowded, seeing larger firms as they, you know, gobble up smaller firms, et cetera. So putting that client experience in the framework of being good for your business across the board is really important. And I think that's an area that the market still hasn't necessarily actualized or responded to. And the reason largely is because fee compression has been so prescient for many of these firms that the concept of expanding budget to support client reporting, right, is daunting. 
What we've found, however, is that when you're, you're doing that planning and you're thinking two to three years out and you're thinking about the new business and current client experience together, when you do the numbers and you look at a few things, client satisfaction, employee satisfaction tied to client reporting, a lot of which involves data aggregation. That's not exactly um, the, the most glamorous work. Right. And then the third thing is being able to really, truly understand your data set, right, in all the pipes that you built internally, being able to outsource those three things to a large extent, even in a hybrid model where you retain some responsibility. That's less of an added pure expense. And that's actually more of an ROI total cost of ownership play, um, particularly when you look at over three to five years. So. Some things that we've seen is, you know, 50% reductions in time spent around aggregating data for reporting, right? 80% reduction around managing connectivity and feeds across data providers, custodians, admins, et cetera, right? And then along with that increases in employee satisfaction as they get out of the business of aggregating, get to the business of analyzing and talking to their clients, and then increases in around organic growth, as well as new growth in the market of winning new clients, where client reporting is cited as a key differentiator. And really, when you when you think about that, the question I think largely becomes is, why wouldn't you start strategizing now, putting your clients needs at the center of the business in a model that has it make financial sense, and overall, really kind of steals the business for continued growth, regardless of the economic uncertainty ahead. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk. Thank you. Yeah, Eugene, likewise. Such a pleasure. And thank you for the recognition and thank you for the opportunity. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange Podcast. <music>